Welcome to another episode of Against the Fed. I'm your host, Victor E. Cooper. So I am back today, and tomorrow is my birthday. I am going to get suspended if I don't wear a mask for three more days. Just because I get suspended for not wearing a mask isn't going to change my mind. You can keep suspending me. I still have the right not to wear a mask. It is not fair that I'm getting punished because you guys, the school board, are not following the law. That is not fair. It just isn't right. I'm still going to stand up for what I believe in and nothing's going to change my mind. I've been getting suspended a lot because I'm wearing a mask. Do you know how dirty masks are? Because you touch the mask. You put it on your face. You breathe all those germs in because you have lots of bacteria on your hand. Oh, and okay, yeah, I hope you all go to jail for doing this to me. And my family is proud of me. And my uncle Murphy that is in heaven is really proud of me. And I wanna say, Burke sucks, but instead of, your rules suck. Brave and smart young lady, standing up for herself. She's an example for us adults. It seems, I, I think she was um, before a school board um, expressing her grievance about being um, suspended for not wearing a mask. And it sounds as if she had been suspended from school numerous times. So she perseveres and fights and fights and she doesn't give up. She's standing on her laurels, if you were, if I should say that. I'm not be able to say that concerning her, but she's standing on her square. She's being resilient, and no doubt she has good moral support coming from her family. So she's an example for the rest of us. What we're going through, I, I think, is biblical. And since what we're going through is biblical, I would like to address the good book. Um, I call this episode the, the Allegory of the Last Supper. 
the allegory of the Last Supper. But before I delve into that, I would like to say I have been feeling somewhat overwhelmed. Overwhelmed by the propaganda, this COVID nonsense, this psychological warfare that had been waged, waged on the world. Overwhelmed by the propaganda, I'm seemingly everywhere you turn, there's propaganda. You go to, for example, you go to the stores, certain stores such as Jewels or whatever large grocers that you go to, these stores have these intercom. Um, I think they're robots or, or what have you. But over the intercom, you hear, stand six feet back, wear your mask. Recently, I came out of one of the home improvement stores named Home Depot, and over the intercom, wear your mask, stand six feet back. We will appreciate And they sound so sincere, whoever these people are. Or, in my opinion, it's a robot that's speaking. Not only in the stores, you know, billboards and you turn on the radio and there's the same propaganda. It's, it's disgusting. Television, print media, radio. I just feel so overwhelmed concerning... This present debacle. All through Europe, governments have gone to great lengths to get people vaccinated. We were promised the vaccinations will be a game changer and it will restore our freedom. Turns out, none of that was true. It does not render you immune. You can still contract the virus and you can still be infectious. The only thing this vaccine did for sure was to spill billions and billions of dollars in the pockets of pharmaceutical companies. I voted against the Digital Green Certificate back in April. Unfortunately, it was adopted nonetheless. And this just goes to show there's only a minority of MEPs who truly stand for European values. The majority of MEPs, for whatever reasons unbeknown to me, obviously support oppression of the people while claiming shamelessly to do it for the people's own good. But it is not the goal that renders a system oppressive. It is always the methods by which the goal is pursued. Whenever a government claims to have the people's interest at heart, you need to think again. In the entire history of mankind, there has never been a political elite sincerely concerned about the well-being of regular people. What makes any of us think that it is different now? If the age of enlightenment has brought forth anything, then certainly this. 
Never take anything any government tells you at face value. Always question everything any government does or does not do. Always look for ulterior motives and always ask cui bono, who benefits. Whenever a political elite pushes an agenda this hard and resorts to extortion and manipulation to get their way, you can almost always be sure your benefit is definitely not what they had at heart. As far as I'm concerned, I will not be vaccinated with anything that has not been properly vetted and tested and has shown no sound scientific evidence that the benefits outweigh the disease itself and possible long-term side effects, which to this day we don't know anything about. I will not be reduced to a mere guinea pig by getting vaccinated with an experimental drug. And I will most assuredly not get vaccinated because my government tells me to and promises in return I will be granted freedom. I shall be reading from the Gospel of Luke. Um, starting at uh, the seventh verse of the 22nd chapter. Then came the day of unleavened bread when the Passover must be killed. And he sent Peter and John saying, Go and prepare us the Passover that we may eat. And they said unto him, Where wilt thou that we prepare? And he said unto them, Behold, when ye are entered into the city, there shall a man meet you bearing a pitcher of water. Follow him into the house where he entereth in. And ye shall say unto the good men of the house, The master saith unto thee, Where is the guest chamber where I shall eat the Passover with my disciples? And he shall show you a large upper room furnished there make ready. And they went and found as he had said unto them, and they made ready the Passover. That was Luke chapter 3, excuse me, chapter 22, verses 7 to 13, I believe. More to come. I was wearing my mask because I just got back from a full day of being a good person. I love my mask because it's a simple yet effective way to display my righteousness. Am I concerned that two children in China dropped dead because they were forced to wear masks in gym class? Nope. Am I concerned that we're creating a generation of children who will be socially awkward and conditioned to fear their fellow man? No. Am I concerned that I'm contributing to an impending socialist technocracy that will enslave the global population? Not even a little bit. Am I concerned that my mask is symbolic of my compliance to the social conditioning that will eventually lead to the forced vaccination of every man, woman, and child on planet Earth? Not a chance. And why am I not concerned, you ask? I'm not concerned because I decided a long time ago that shallow and significant gestures are a much easier way to showcase my morality than actually being moral. Because in order to be a real good person, I gotta stand up to a real bad person. And I don't like standing up to or for anything. I 
decided that it's much easier to trick my own mind into thinking compliance is a virtue instead of what compliance actually is. Cowardice. I prefer to float through life completely ignorant to the fact that every socialist takeover has always begun in the exact same way. With government overreach, public shaming, censorship, and a toilet paper shortage. Don't believe me? Google toilet paper shortage in communist Russia. Did you think you were having a unique experience? I prefer to pretend history never repeats itself so that I can stand by and turn a blind eye every time history repeats itself. I prefer to call anyone who speaks up, fights back, or stands their ground a lunatic or a conspiracy theorist so that I don't feel obligated to do my own research. Research takes away from me time. And lastly, I prefer to put on my mask and stand among a sea of masks so that I never have to be seen, be free, or reveal the deep dark shadows that lurk within me. The Last Supper narrative is, is a metaphor, excuse me, not a metaphor, but a, an allegory for the simple fact that um, there are symbols apparent within this narrative. An allegory is basically a narrative that includes metaphors. A metaphor is our figure of speech that uses comparisons. For example, um, she is the apple of my eye. I am comparing a woman to an apple. That's a metaphorical uh, figure of speech. And the meaning behind it, she is sweet to my eyes or she's very pretty. Or maybe, you know, another subtle meaning may, may be uh, she's wholesome to my spirit. That's a metaphor. So an allegory is a narrative that most likely contains uh, various metaphors and different um, figures of speeches more to come. The symbols of this metaphor, excuse me, I said it again. The symbols of this allegory are one, Christ himself. Two, Passover. Three, a man bearing a pitcher of water. Four, house. Remember in this in this allegory, this Last Supper narrative, Christ had commanded Peter and John to go to the man that is bearing a pitcher of water, and this man that is bearing the pitcher of water shall lead them to the house. 
Once again, the four symbols are Christ himself, Passover, a man bearing a pitcher of water, and house. First, I shall reveal the most obvious of all metaphors within this allegory, which is Christ. Christ is the Son of God. And Christ is the Son of God. He is the S-U-N and he is the S-O-N, but in this particular allegory, we must uh, consider that he is the S-U-N. Obviously, Christ is not a literal fireball sun in the sky. It's a metaphorical statement, meaning that he enlightens us with his knowledge. So that's a very easy symbol or, matter, or figure of speech to reveal about Christ. So Christ within this narrative, within this allegory, represents the sun, S-U-N. The second um, symbol I should reveal is, is the, um, the fourth one in the series, which is house. And I shall talk about it in the next segment. Okay, let's deal with the symbol house. In order to reveal what is meant by house within this allegory, I have to refer to another scripture, which is found in St. John. I forget the chapter, but I remember the verse partially. In my father's house, there are many mansions. In my father's house, there are, there are many mansions. What did Christ mean by that? On the surface, that statement, that figure of speech sounds absurd. What is a mansion? And why would you put a mansion in a house? In my father's house, there are many mansions. We first have to define what a mansion is in order to understand what a house is within that particular scripture of St. John, which will help us to understand the allegory of the Last Supper. To uh, reveal this uh, metaphorical statement of St. John, my father's house, many mansions, a mansion is something that is part of astrology. There are two types of ast astrological charts. You have solar astrology 
and you have, there is lunar astrology. And I will explain lunar in the next segment. Lunar astrology, dealing with the moon. A lunar astrological chart is a graphic diagram, namely a circle, divided into 28 sections that maps out the orbit of the moon. The lunar chart, I believe, is fundamentally used by the Chinese. Um, I don't see much reference towards it here in the in the you know in the states. Most of the time, you see um, the solar astrological charts, but the lunar astrological chart is divided up into 28 or 27 um, sections or divisions. Each section or division is comprised of about 12.84 degrees. If you take a circle and divide it by 28, in other words, um, a circle is 360 degrees, and if you, if you divide 360 by 28, you should come up with a roundabout figure of about 12.84 degrees. In comparison to a solar astrological chart, if you divide the 360 by 12, you get 30 degrees. The, the divisions of the lunar astrological chart are called mansions. Those 12.84 degrees of space that maps out the orbit of the moon is called a mansion because as the moon travels, it resides there for a moment of time and it just goes from one mansion to another mansion to another mansion. So a mansion is a place where, it, where the moon resides. Now, we should be able to understand what is meant by house. In my father's house, there are many mansions, meaning that there takes about two and one-third mansions to create a solar house. Because two and one-third mansions is approximately 30 degrees. 12 and 12 is what, 24 plus 
well, 13 and 13 is 26, and the rest makes up the 30. You know, half of the 13 is about seven or six, you know. So we come up with this roundabout figure of 30 degrees. Two and, the, two and one third mansions creates a solar house in my father's house. There are many mansions. So this is the answer to uh, the house symbol in the uh, Last Supper allegory. I hope I was succinct and clear. Now let's deal with picture, the man bearing the picture of water. A man bearing a pitcher of water. It should be obvious what that represents. The first symbol that I had revealed was Christ himself being the S-U-N. The second symbol of the allegory of the Last Supper was house uh, that I had revealed, which is a division of the solar zodiac. A house is a division or a section of the solar zodiac that maps out the orbit of the sun. For example, when I was born, October 28, 1963, the sun was in Scorpio and the moon was in Pisces. So I am a Piscean Scorpio. Now, um, if I had my, astro uh, my natal chart before me, I can tell you which house the moon, excuse me, which mansion the moon was in by telling you which degree. I was looking at it yesterday and I, I forget, I think it was around the first mansion of Pisces. So a house, to recap, is a division of the solar zodiac. You have 12 houses, the house of Aries, the house of Pisces, the house of Leo, the house of Scorpio, the house of Gemini, the house of Libra, House of Virgo, etc., etc. So, what is meant by a man bearing a pitcher of water? Is it not obvious? Who is this man that is bearing a pitcher of water? Right? So, it's obvious who that man is 
Aquarius. And thus we had pierced the veil of this allegory that seemingly appeared as an actual event in history, but is none other than an allegory, a fictitious um, story, narrative, which the average Christian would find offensive <laughs> if I told them that. But it is what it is. I speak truth. Facts over fiction. Facts over feelings. Facts over feelings. The truth is stranger than fiction. The dragon has come out of its lair and is spewing lies, a flood of lies, just vomiting us with lies. It was Hitler, I believe, that said, if you tell a lie big enough and long enough, people will believe it. Big enough and long enough. It's been approximately two years and COVID is still here, right? And people are dying, not, not over the COVID, but over the jab. But I digress. The Passover, what is meant by Passover, right? Well, it's a long story, <laughs> but I'm not going to overwhelm you I hope, or maybe I should overwhelm you, flood you with the truth. It's not my truth, it's the truth. I think I had revealed three symbols, the Son, the S-U-N of God, Christ, the Son. And by the way, Christ means Son in Hebrew, to my knowledge. I have to find the particular scripture. Uh, it's in the Old Testament. So Christ's son, a man bearing a pitcher of water, Aquarius, house, a division of the solar zodiac. Right? 30 degrees. The house of Aquarius. So Christ, the son, S-U-N of God, had told Peter excuse me, was it right, Peter and John? 
to go to the man bearing the pitcher of water and he shall lead you to the house. And that's where they was going to have the Passover feast. Right? So Christ, namely the son, is in the house of Aquarius. Is that not, that is so obvious. Is that not apparent? Christ, excuse me, the son is in the house of Aquarius during the Passover. But that can't be true because the uh, during Christ's crucifixion, that's March. It happened so, uh, supposedly around March. Aquarius, the sun is, uh, is in Aquarius during January, around January the 20th. So what then is meant by the Passover? More to come. This concludes another episode of Against the Fed. I'm your host, Victor E. Cooper.